0: Welcome. You're listening to the Equine Photographer's Podcast, the place to learn from top equine professionals around the world as they share their experience and knowledge on what it takes to be an accomplished equine photographer. Now your hosts, Peter DeMott and Gigi Embricks.
1: Uh, This is Peter DeMott. I'm the host of uh, the Equine Photographer's Podcast. Uh, Gigi, my co-host is uh, running a photo tour of her own this week but we found this opportunity to have a discussion with some outstanding photographers and we thought we'd take advantage of it. I've done a little research on each of you and uh, we have uh, Mark how do you say it? Kata, Kata Kettenhofen? Kettenhoffen Kettenhoffen And he is the Professional Markets Technical Representative for Nikon and a photographer in his own right. Then we have Scott Trees of Scott Trees Photography. And he's been doing horse pictures for a real long time. (laughs) I saw a picture of you on your Facebook uh, laying on the back of a horse. Yeah. In your younger years.
2: Yes, this is true.
1: (laughs) And then we have Sharon Shepard. Of Sharon Shepard Photography, and she is uh, certainly an award-winning photographer with her art and fine art and photography with the Professional Photographers of California. I'm looking to hear what she has to say, along with Corrine of the Equine Photographers Network and also photography by Corrine Shippers. What we're gonna talk about is right now, all of these folks are at a event um, out in Colorado called the Colorado Cowboy and Great American Horse Drive. I think they're there as uh, workshop leaders as well as participants. And we're just gonna have sort of a rambling discussion about uh, workshops and shooting events across the country. And uh, who who would like to start? Who would like to tell us a little bit more about how you got into equine photography?
3: Well, I can start, Peter. Um, we've been running this Colorado workshop now for this is our ninth year. Wow. And I've been lucky enough to partner with Scott Treese right from the beginning. And he comes in and leads the shoots, does a lot of teaching while I do most of the background work of organizing and getting everything um, set up for for it to run smoothly. Then we've also had Nikon here for about the last seven or eight years, which has been a real benefit to all our attendees as far as um, seeing all the latest equipment that's available to us to try and also to pick Mark's brain as far as um, whatever Nikon has to offer. And uh, it's a real treat for us to shoot with some of the latest gear. And then for about the last four or five years, we've had Sharon Shepard here who. Uh, does three sessions on Photoshop and um, she has been a huge asset to EPNet as far as teaching people about Photoshop, um, which is a real important skill to have now. If you're going to, if you're going to be a photographer, you need to know how to use Photoshop this, you know, there's no way around that. And she's got a real great way of teaching. And I think part of the, the reason for that is she's a woman teaching mostly women because we are mostly women that do horse photography So between the four of us, we've um, been able to run this workshop, and um, it's grown every year. We always get a group of people from around the country. We've had people come from Australia and the U.K. and all around the country. This year, we've only got two repeats, so it's always nice to share it with new people. And we try to make it um, not only a great opportunity to build our portfolios with model-released photos, but also to learn. And um, I think that's an important part of a workshop. If you're going to go to a workshop, you need to do a little research to find out what the workshop has to offer. Um, Some workshops are more like tours where you have access to an unusual location you might not be able to get into on your own where you can take photos. But we try to have an educational element in our workshops so people come here to learn and maybe, you know, as well as build their portfolio, also learn some new tips and tricks and, also to kind of get some inspiration, to shoot something that they don't normally get to see or do. So there's a lot more to workshops than people realize. And these days, there's a lot of workshops to choose from.
1: Well, how many people do you would you say are at this particular one?
3: Right now, we're, we have 15, but we have two events. We have the workshop, and then we also have the horse drive coming up this weekend. And we have about 15 photographers for both events.
1: And they're a different set of photographers or some overlap on that?
3: Um, Most of them are doing the whole thing, but we do have some new people um, that are coming in for the horse drive. And that's That's another thing about workshops too, is to find out how many people are going to be there because some workshops will cap it at 10 or 12 and others kind of open it up to however many people will sign up. So if a small intimate group is important to you, then find out how big it's going to be because you don't want to get lost in a herd of 50 people trying to get a shot. So that's another thing to consider.
1: Right. And and uh, one of the things that I've found at some of the workshops is that I really appreciate hands-on situations where I'm actually making adjustments and taking suggestions from group leaders or other photographers that are there. Um, Mark, what is your involvement in uh, during the actual shooting opportunities
4: well <clears throat> most of the time when i'm here um what i try to help with is the technical aspect of it um, i've been behind a camera for about 35 years so there's i pretty much made all the mistakes anybody can make already so I try to teach them how to use their gears pretty much the emphasis as far as what i do i let scott handle the creative side he's been working with horses longer than anybody else i know and is probably one of the best at it so it's not much i can Really add to that side, but the create the the actual um, technical side is what I try to focus on, and you know lens choice or possible a camera choice, camera settings, and really kind of getting the participant more relaxed with their equipment in order to create a better image.
1: So, are you actually out there during the sessions or the shoots? Or, or yes, yep.
4: mm-hmm. yes.
3: Yeah, he does a lot of in yeah. the field uh, support, and he's really <laughs>
2: generous with his with his knowledge. I mean, I've I've been a Canon shooter for many years, but during the week that he's here, I, I he lets me try out the Nikon gear, and and what's really great for photographers that don't have access. I mean, he brings he's not he just brings a little bit of gear. He brings a lot of gear. So if you've never used long lenses, he will has a 400 lens here if you want to try or ultra wide wide angle lenses, and he's extremely generous with his knowledge, and it really gives photographers a great opportunity to try some different perspectives as they might not get a chance to try
1: otherwise
3: well and the other thing is we all go home and buy the latest lenses yeah so. <laughs> right,
1: right so yeah he gets all that uh kudos from the nikon folks i bet yeah,
2: absolutely. <laughs> absolutely and honestly i can't get canon to give me the time of day for one of these things so you know nikon's always been extremely generous with sending mark here with the gear they give and and uh you know it's it's really it's tremendous what they do So,
1: Sharon, what are the workshops that you uh, put out or discuss with the people?
0: Well, I do a lot of equine um, online workshops with the um, Equine Photographers Network. We do about three a year, plus this um, Craig workshop. Uh And I teach the Photoshop. And what I try to give my students is that really my classes are more then Photoshop, I try to show them how to create an image that's more of a fine art image because I have a painting background. So I approach my photographs more in a painterly way as far as composition and and adding a lot of depth to my images, making the center of interest stand out as much as I can so there's more impact in it. So that's also the part that I teach. Mm-hmm. Um, so
1: So at this event, what do you think is the thing that most of the photographers are gaining the most from regarding Photoshop? Uh, Is it about composition or is it about the tools of trade within the Photoshop program?
0: Well, there was a lot of new students to Photoshop this year. So they were, of course, learning new skills in Photoshop. But what I always hope to give my students, because you can get Photoshop in a lot of places... I always hope to give my students more about the composition and creating the image to be the best that it can be and the the knowledge of what you need to do and why something um, isn't working in an image and how to make it work. I think that's what makes my classes different than a lot of other Photoshop classes because I go beyond just the Photoshop techniques that, like I said, you can get many, many places, and I try to tell them what to do to an image to make it better.
1: Right. I see in your uh, portfolio online that you've you've certainly gotten your share of awards from various places, and uh, you know, so obviously, you know what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> She's a phenomenal teacher. The, the neat part. I mean, I, I've I've used Photoshop for a lot of years, but every time I come here, I learn something from her, and she's a she's a good teacher and she's a generous teacher. I mean, and I think that's the one thing all of us here really try and and share our experience. And as Corinne said, I don't think all workshops do that. Um, and we make a, a, a concentrated effort to, um, yes, yeah, certainly provide a unique opportunity in terms of the subject matter that's here this week for the students to photograph, but more importantly, it's to to help them learn. Um, and answer questions and explain why we do what we do and the considerations that go into getting a shot and uh to try and help them you know broaden their horizons and maybe change their perspective a little
1: bit so the the shooting that you've done so far the the horse roundups next week is that right right yes this weekend this weekend so what what kind of shooting have you been doing for this first part of the workshop
3: Well, we came in, um, we had a class session all day Mm -hmm. with Sharon on Sunday and we did orientation. We try to prepare our attendees for what they're going to be seeing, because this is different from what most any of us have ever experienced as photographers or even as horse people to, to see so many horses in one place. So we try to kind of prepare them for that, what they're going to see and, and, um, you know, uh, technically what, how they're going to want to shoot that. And then, um, Monday and Tuesday, we had two pretty full days of shooting. Um, We set up probably about four or five different scenes each day, um, starting early in the morning and then um, pretty much going all day. We do try to take a break, but this year we were kind of challenged by the weather. Um, It was kind of dark and and cloudy here uh, for probably, I'd say, 65% of the time we had, which was unusual. So as equine photographers, we need to learn to... um, work with the weather you know um and that's a challenge uh, especially you know when we're used to good bright light so it, it can be a little disappointing but you know as equine photographers you you don't have a choice you have to shoot regardless and um unless it's pouring rain we'll shoot last year we had horrible wind and we shot anyway um but the shoots that we did um were everything from uh herd drives to uh cowboys bucking out the horses longhorn cattle uh, portrait sessions. We did some lighting sessions with Mark and Scott, and um you know my, personally, I shot about ten thousand images, and I think that's probably about what most of the others <coughs> shot too. So ten thousand uh,
1: over two days or three days. Two
3: days, yeah, yeah. got that down to about six thousand, but we still have about three days worth of shooting for the horse drive. So I always tell people to be prepared to shoot way more than they're you know ever shot in their lives, and. um now they're all sitting at their computers going through their photos. So. <laughs> yeah, the
1: culling uh, aspect yeah. of that is going to take it's
2: a long time. It's the of the opportunity. I mean, you know, imagine that your first, your first shoot is 50 horses coming at you to dead run across water. Um, so it, it's, it's such a unique opportunity. And, and because we've done this workshop as long as we have, the, the cowboys and, and cowgirls are really willing to go that extra mile for us. And, and you know, I'll ask them to do things that, you know that push the envelope, but they're willing to do it.
3: And I think part of the success of this workshop also is that it's not, it's not pretend, you know, play Western lifestyle. This is, this is the real deal. These guys are Mm -hmm. real cowboys. They're not dressed up. They, you know, this is their lifestyle. And uh, it's something that's disappearing now. And I think a lot of photographers and people, you know, the public in general is very attracted to the Western lifestyle. And I think there's a good market for Western, Western imagery still, so um, we get a we get a huge uh, group of photographers that are you know they're all kind of coming for different reasons. Some of them have never been around horses, and some of them want to build you know their Getty shooters. They you know it's completely new for them, but they're all attracted to uh, documenting the cowboy lifestyle. And of course, horse photos are always fun to shoot. So it's a, it's an interesting group, and I, I think it's it's really unique that it is it's it's authentic. You know, you can go to a Western workshop, but it's more of like a a staged kind of a. Um, Everybody's perfect. In, yeah. yeah, this is a this yeah. is a working ranch. It's the right. last ranch of its kind in the country.
2: Really, but there's nothing yeah. else. There's nothing else like it anywhere in the world. Trust me, I've taught all over the world, and, and there's nothing like it. And. Um,
0: And I think that's what's exciting about it, because you never know what's going to happen. You can, the horses Mm. are supposed to come across the water. And next thing you know, they're taken off across a different (laughs) direction and right through us and
3: Cowboys going after, yeah, you got And I, I think we all have our adrenaline running, whether we're cowboys or horses or (laughs) photographers. We're all pretty excited when we're uh, shooting these uh, setups.
1: So, (laughs) have there been any incidents of uh, people getting run over or anything like that? No,
3: we've been we've been extremely lucky. We've got a very good safety record, and um, we have had years where cowboys have gotten hurt. And they're they're so into getting the shot for us that sometimes they might do things that are a little risky and. And get hurt. And a lot of these horses are being ridden for the first time this spring. So, you know, we do see some action. But, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, these horses are, are saddle horses. And they're known for being good, gentle riding horses. And um, we we try to prepare the, the shooters, which are mostly horse people, so they know how to behave around horses. And during our orientation, we make sure that, you know, we, we prepare them so that we know they know that there's going to be horses running by. And, and, you know, we set it up for success and not... Not accidents, and that's you know it's it's that's important. I don't want people getting hurt. As an
2: instructor, that's kind of part of what I consider a lot of my responsibility too. Is a the safety of the horses and the rider, but also the safety of the students. So we really really try and outline in my mind what could go wrong and 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 plan for it. And uh, but as we said, you know you can't. The only predictable thing about a horse is its unpredictability. So we might have a great idea as to where we want them to go, but as Sharon said, they might have a completely different idea about it. So uh but we've we've worked together long enough and these 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 are like Karen was saying these are real deal cowboys these aren 't weekend riders they they know what they're doing and and they're good hands on horses and and uh so you know there's a calculated risk whenever you shoot a horse, but we try and take into every every possibility we can to provide as safe safe a shoot as we possibly can
1: i'm curious more about the uh the participants as well um you said there's some that are like stock shooters with Getty or something like that, uh, you know, out of your 15 or 20 participants, how many would you say are professional photographers in one area or another? And how many are amateurs and don't anticipate doing anything else but amateur photography?
3: It really varies from year to year. And we get a pretty good cross section of, um, you know, confirmed amateurs that will never go pro to full-time professionals. Most of them are equine photographers. I'd say a small percentage will be people that are um, more mainstream type photographers that want to build their library with uh, equine and Western related images. And that is one thing that's important when you are um, people that are seeking to go to a workshop to do some research to see, um, you know, if they are, they are able to build their portfolio and if they're going to be able to get model releases and property releases because not all workshops do. And
1: um, Yeah, I had that experience. I went to a workshop expecting to be able to use the images right. and uh, they were not happy with me doing that. Yeah,
3: yeah. and uh, that's kind of the, the responsibility of the participant. But sometimes, you know, they're a little naive and they think that everything they shoot, they can... Is their image, and sometimes there are restrictions on image use, so that's something that I think as an organizer you need to make that clear on your on your you know, materials attitude,
1: right? Right. Attitude.
3: But sometimes people don't read or they don't understand, so there's a lot of workshops out there, and not all of them are going to give you full rights to the images that you create. so um, this workshop is a you know completely released event, although during the horse drive. We don't get model releases for everybody because there's too many people. But for the workshop itself, everything is, is fully released. And a lot of these images have gone on to do very well for people uh, as fine art and as stock and editorial. And there's huge potential in, in just being around the horses because it's just photo ops everywhere, you know. It's just the the composition and the lines and the, the patterns of all these horses and also the behavior and, and the – Cowboys working, and it's just a lot to shoot. So I think that, you know, if you are looking to build your portfolio as, you know, part of your business, and it's worth the investment to go to something like this, but do do your research so that you know, you know, what your rights are with the images.
1: Right. So, you know, if I was there, I think I would probably end up wandering off and taking some pictures here and there just at random. Uh, Do you allow that? Yeah, we don't. uh,
2: we, we have a structured setup. I mean, there are certain setups that we're going to do with the horses based upon the timetable we have. and the, So we let the wranglers know. I mean, this, there's, a, there's a lot of planning that goes into getting these horses ready. It's just not that we walk out there and there they are. But, yes, we try and allow time in between specific setups for people to walk around uh, on the ranch and, and and do some shots. But, again, this is a working ranch. So one of the first things we tell our students is, you know, during the workshop, they are there for us to shoot them and, and they'll be as cooperative as they can. But they are there doing a job and we have to respect that fact.
1: So, yeah, you don't want photographers directing them to do things while they're trying to get their work done. Right. But as as uh, photographic observers, they can just shoot away. Huh?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and even even during the setups that I create, I make it real clear to my students, if there's something you'd like to try, ask me. I mean, if there's any way I can make it happen, I'll be glad to see if we can. If I say we can do it, we can do it. If I say we can't, we can't. But we'll, we'll certainly try and accommodate suggestions as to if you want to see if something can be done. Yeah, if we can do it, we'll try.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And these cowboys and cowgirls are just love doing it, so it's easy to get them to uh, cooperate. We don't have to ask them. They'll just, add, in fact, they volunteer.
3: Yeah, sometimes they have ideas of their own, and the thing too with the uh, workshop part of this whole event, is we have exclusive access to the ranch for these two days, and and we're the only ones there, so they're pretty much at our disposal, and um, they're there from sun up to sundown on pretty much whatever we tell them to do. They're willing to try, um, you know. And there are certain setups that are a little a little more structured, and and we tell people, you know, you can only be here, and you can't go wandering into somebody else's background and. But the, the scale of the ranch is so large that there's plenty of room, and there's also certain times of day where, um, you know, they, they can go off on their own, and if they, you know, want to wander around in the corrals, they can do that. So we we try to do both, you know, because some people are, you know, they're more independent, and they want to go do what they want to do, and we want to just let everybody feel like they got what they wanted, you know.
1: Right. So um, I know it takes you probably from the day this is over with till the next year to get it all set up again. Uh, This
3: this one has gotten pretty easy. I mean, you know, because it's the
1: routine of it. huh?
3: This whole event is like Christmas for me. The anticipation of it coming up. It's kind of a treat to myself, you know. But uh, we've been doing it for so long now, it's, it's almost to the point where I only have to send a few emails and make a few phone calls and everybody's ready to go, you know, which is wonderful because a lot of our workshops, we move around the country. So if it's a whole new location, it's, you know, you have to organize the lodging and the the travel and the locations and the models. And it's a, it's a lot of work behind the scenes organizing. So this one's kind of a treat because we have the one location, you know, and and we've got the motel who loves us and they, they really accommodate us really you know, above and beyond. And so this one is, um, you know, this year we ran into a little bit of a snag because the, the steamboat airport is closed for runway repairs. So people had to make arrangements to drive in from Denver, but we, we tried to send out group emails and hook people up. And even before the event, you know, people are already making connections with each other and making arrangements and, um, everybody got here and, uh, it's a, It's been a fun group this year. And it's also all of all of us that do it and come back every year. <laughs> as soon as it's over, we
2: start counting the, the countdown mm-hmm. for coming back next year. And, and the neat part for all of us is that the Cowboys are as excited to see us as we are them. I mean, everybody. So pretty- what,
1: do you guys do anything for the Cowboys in, in terms of giving them images? Just oh, yeah. out of curiosity?
3: Well, one thing that we do every year, um, which happens tomorrow, is we have, I have, uh, EPNet has a what's called a Snap Lab, which is a little uh uh, prints four by sixes and five by seven. So we buy two rolls of five by seven paper and we let the photographers go nuts with it. And we pretty much use up, I don't know how many, I think it's 300 photos or something like that. And so we get, we print five by sevens for our cowboys and we lay them out on tables. And then Thursday night we invite everybody to come down and we also run a slideshow and so they get to see all the photos, and uh, it's—I I think it's probably and they a get the five by sevens
2: of, are theirs to take. Yeah, so everybody yeah. prints out the photographers. We ask them to print out pictures, specific pictures of the cowboys that they might like, and they can take those. And then we also have a slideshow that uh, has kind of become quite the affair to attend on mm-hmm. on this on Thursday evening of this week. It's a the room is packed. It's always standing room only.
1: Wow. Cool. And then uh, I also saw that there is a Facebook page for this event and that you're actively putting the images in from even as you're culling them, it looks like. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, I,
3: I try to. I mean, I, I share photos um, from our photographers that have business pages. I'll share those to the um, the uh, workshop page. And then we also have a an event page. People can make contact with each other there. And, um, you know, I, I try to try to promote as much as possible because Facebook really seems to be the place where people are sharing images and just to get it out to as many people as possible. I'm going to switch
1: a little bit here from the perspective of the participants. When are people typically signing up for this? Is it, uh, six months early, nine months, two months, one week?
3: Um, um well, I, I try to go live with it, um, uh, probably uh, around oh I don't even know probably you know October November about that time and um, I'll get people signing up right away and then I'll have people sign up as you know like last about two weeks ago I had about five signups you know so people wait till the last minute and and you know I get cancellations so it's changing all the time uh, we have a lot of people that have been two three times and I find a lot of people come for one year and they're a little overwhelmed by it and then they'll come a second year and they'll have more of a plan. Of how they want to approach it, you know, because it's, it really is a, it's, you know, a sensory event, you know, and a lot of people get a little overstimulated and, and you know, they kind of, I think they kind of uh, stall. You know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> they're pretty so, worn out by the end of this yeah, thing.
3: Yeah, yeah. It is, It is, it uh, is emotionally exhausting. We, we tell them we're going to, we, we tell them we're going
2: to send them home tired and
3: we do. Yeah.
1: I can imagine. I can imagine.
3: Get their money's worth though. Yeah. Mm hmm. Well, Monday and Tuesday we shop for full, two full days, and then we also have a, a wild horse range about an hour from here. So Wednesday morning, which was today, we took uh, we we give them till three o'clock, so they can you know they can sleep or they can work on their photos, they can go to the sand wash or they they can do their laundry or you know whatever, have some alone time, downtime. And then Sharon had another Photoshop session this afternoon, and um, it kind of gives them time to to uh, decompress because it is a very intense two days of shooting and it's the kind of shooting that nobody ever normally does. You know, I mean, as horse photographers, we might do portrait sessions or horse shows, but, um, to shoot, you know, hundreds of horses and, and these big Epic setups, it's, you know, it's, it is visually very stimulating and you, you kind of go to bed dreaming about it and you wake up in the morning, ready to go again. And, uh, it's, uh, it's exhausting in a good way.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. So, Sharon, um, the, do you get a lot of questions about the art that you do? I mean, because I saw you did a lot of painterly type stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, the Photoshop, obviously you can take, let's say, a drab image and make it spectacular. As long as the composition is there, um, sometimes you can do some pretty fantastic things.
3: Well, one sure. thing that Sharon does is she um, she goes and she points at the sky and says, "You guys take pictures of these clouds because we're going to use these in our photos." So, yeah, <laughs> yes. she gets you thinking
2: a completely different way.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's
2: amazing.
1: I'm,
0: everybody else is shooting the horses, and I'm shooting the everything else. But uh, and so textures I textures
1: and backgrounds. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And,
0: and I tell them, you know, shoot the horses, but then wait till they go by and then shoot the landscape because you you may have a person in your Photograph, And it's easy to take them out if you just shoot the landscape. So we talk about that. And then we've had some weather this year where we didn't have any sun. And so one of the things that I did, I, I saw a location, when we were driving back uh, from the in the truck, the back of the truck that I thought was really great. It had really wonderful leading lines. And so we, we went back there and took some photographs. So I worked that up to show them what I meant and how I did that and what the vision that I had when I saw the location and how, how I could make it uh, an image that I could probably sell for a lot of money because it was a more of a fine art image. So we went through step by step, layer by layer what I did. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. yeah. I,
3: I think that one thing that um, I think all four of us kind of um, try to instill in the, the participants too, is it's not just to take the photo, but the whole creation of an image from beginning to end, you know, and, and not just, we can go and shoot all these wonderful photos and then they're on our computer and what are the next steps in Photoshop and cropping and and just little tweaks in Photoshop and the whole presentation and and then the possible market a lot of a lot of different factors go into creating these images and we want to get people thinking about that you know yeah, what are
1: some of the markets that are available for these types of images? Everybody should talk about that one.
3: Yeah, I we see a lot of uh, photos doing really well in uh, different art competitions. Um, I've sold some, uh, actually, a number of uh, catalog covers with the horse drive photos. Um, these images have a lot of lot of marketability, and I and, think they've got a long shelf life too.
2: Yeah, magazines are always looking for stuff. I mean, the, the Western market there's always people looking for stories, and and um, you know that's kind of been my my route has been more the editorial aspect of it. And the fine art um, selling, selling. You tell know,
1: me, tell me about the editorial aspect of it. I'm not sure I understand. Well, what you yeah, mean for example,
2: that. Uh, you know, I uh, horse and rider it wasn't it wasn't horse and rider. It was Western. What was the Western ca- horseman. Western, Western horseman is, has bought some stuff. Uh, one of the other Western magazines. And I'm drawing a blank on their name right now. Uh, um, so what
1: kind of story do you put with the pictures?
2: Well, I, no, they're just, looking, I just, they're just looking for Western stories to fulfill either the their stories that images they're writing, to Im, images to go with the Western lifestyle. Oh, okay, I see. And another one of the images that I shot at the, at the workshop, I entered in a Cowboys and Indians photo contest and won. Um, and so, um, you know, there's the, the nice part about it, with the, as Corinna has structured it with the property releases and the model releases, is that if you have a chance to sell the shot, you can make some good money. Uh, You can certainly earn back your um, your your fee for coming here, and um, so you know the the market for the Western work is always is always good. I mean, people there's a lot of there's a lot of different uh, outlets looking for those kinds of things,
3: and and also in the Cowboys and Indians um, photo contest. As Scott said, uh, there's always a number of photos from this workshop that that do well in that contest.
1: Okay, so let's see here. Let me, let me get Mark back into the picture here a little bit. And uh, what do you do with your images from
4: this event? Well, working for a corporation, my images tend to be a little trickier uh, to work with those. It's most of the time, I'll use those for internal teachings or possibly even another um, a class that I might be doing in another part of the world. But I would I would like to say probably the main reason that I'm here is not so much to capture the image but help the participants get the best image they can. Working for Nikon Professional Services, um, all of us are photographers. Our first our first and foremost uh, part of our job is to help the photographers make the best pictures they can and use their equipment properly. So the images I take here are are more to show other photographers maybe another place or maybe even next year for the same workshop, this is what to expect. This is how you can make your pictures better, and all four of us are going to help you do that, and this is how we're going to do it. So it's not not, not so much about my images and how I'm going to use them.
1: And, Scott, would you say that's the same with you, is that you're out there helping instruct people, or are you yeah. taking as many pictures as they are? No, is I don't it?
2: I don't take as many pictures as my students do. I mean, sure, I'm going to shoot because they're exciting setups, but I really try and and as best I can help them uh, improve their efforts. I mean, it's, you know, I, the setups are mine. I mean, I'm, I'm the one that comes out and figures out where I want to shoot. And there, I, as I hand everybody the schedule, I say, you know, I guess now this is all weather dependent, which we had to fight this year a little bit more than we normally do. But, but my goal is just to you, do. you
1: have snow out there now or is it just yeah, raining?
2: It was just, it was just cloudy and, and, and uh, just dark. real overcast and dark.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: Had to wait. uh, um, For example, Monday morning, we basically, uh, you know, I had to make the tough call and say, look, let's wait. I'm going to cancel what I had planned for this morning. We did a few things, and fortunately, the weather broke that afternoon. So um, we just kind of moved the the table back and got the light we were looking for. And so, you know, of course, as you know, working with horses, you have to be willing to adapt your schedule depending upon a lot of things. And my goal is just to try and, and, Set things up and and explain why I might be using a certain location, why the lighting is is important discuss exposures discuss make suggestions for for lenses to take for the shoot um kind of suggest places to stand and and but also encourage them to look for their own their own view and their own interpretation
1: of the scene that might be set up for them in front of them mm-hmm. I'm just envisioning this and there's lots of cowboys and there's lots of horses and there's Ranch buildings and barns and pastures and all that sort of thing. Are you setting up times when people can pose a cowboy with his gear, uh, walking with a saddle or yeah, you know, that, that, that
2: sort I'll, of thing? I'll or out there for them. I mean, you know, I'll give you an example of yesterday's shoot. Um, we started off at sunrise um, with a uh, group of about 50 head of horses um, and about eight or ten wranglers, I guess, moving them back and forth in a scene in front of us in front of this stream of water. And uh, as as the horse and the herd settled, then we started slowly moving the horses through the water with the cowboys. And, and eventually it ended up um, that the last few passes of the horses coming through the water was a dead run. Um, the photographers were stationed at various places along the bank last year, um, the photographers were saying that they weren't getting, you know, that, that they just didn't feel the horses were close enough. So I asked one of the riders, I said, okay, Alex, here's what I want you to do. Uh, when you come through the water, I want you to drown my photographers. And he said, seriously? And I said, yep, I want you to drown. <laughs> so he came through about three feet from them and they got wet. They wanted to get wet. They got wet. And we got um, some
3: great shots And got of some too. great, great <laughs> shots
2: of it too. So, you know, we did, we did that. Um, we went from that to, um, a some work in the corrals we had horses um the cowboys were would uh worry down one of the lanes the cowboys would run four or five or six horses down the lane in various areas that the photographers could shoot low angle long uh low long angle. angle if they wanted wide angle if they wanted to um uh we went from there uh we shot a stagecoach in the afternoon um wow. we went back into so is that
1: like uh how many horses in the rig Four, four in
2: hand uh-huh. Uh, then from there, we went back to another location that we found with a team of pack horses. And and uh, we've got some uh, some of the cowboys here are real uh, avid historical gun collectors. So we tried to create a scene that looked like uh, Old bringing West. Out horses yeah. laden with gold with uh, guys guarding them and went through there. And then we ended the afternoon with uh, taking horses back into a really pretty open. It's real green this year. They've had a lot of water this year. So rain. So took the horses back uh in uh, oh again about thirty head of horses, uh, started the photographers up on a hill, shooting down this gorgeous valley and working the horses back and forth, and then brought the horses up the hill to the photographer uh photographers had them wait, got in the trucks, took the photographers down to the bottom of the hill, wow and on silhouettes and so uh, just another day at the office yesterday, you know yeah I mean,
1: that's quite a busy that, day,
2: yeah, but that's the kind of stuff we try and do for them. uh-huh and um you know the challenge uh, for me, photographically, is trying to find um, different views of a place I'm very familiar with, and and I'm trying to find new and exciting shots as a result of it.
3: And I also think that this whole workshop, for me personally, and I think a lot of other people too, is a a chance to kind of leave the world behind for you know a week to ten days. And and you know there's a lot of a lot of bad things going on in the world, and here we're in you know a very remote area of the West, and and I think people kind of get together to enjoy the horses and, and each other and, you know, leave their devices behind and leave the world behind for a little while and just enjoy maybe what it used to be like you know, 50 or 100 or 200 years ago and, and kind of a lifestyle that's disappearing now, you know. We're really kind of um, the lucky ones to be able to document it and, and see that it, that it is still alive and be able to share with other people.
2: Yeah, you don't see people checking their cell phones and text messages and… You know, everybody just gets out there for the day. And like Corinne says, you just get lost. And for a lot of us, and I think everybody here, I mean, I know for me, and, and it, it's been a life-changing event. I mean, it just really? opened. Oh, yeah. I mean, I grew up in the show horse world. I've been show horses for four decades. And to get to be around horses, just being horses, and to, and especially to be around this many horses. I mean, one year, uh, the drive had 1,200 head of horses.
1: Wow. How many this year do you think?
2: Uh, they think about six. Yeah um, six to eight. And so, you know, to get to be around horses, just being horses and to see how the cowboys interact with them. And, and it's really, you, you harken back to when horses were a real critical part of mankind's survival. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to, to, it's refreshing to, to, to be around that kind of energy. And, and we all shoot horses because we love them. And, you know, it's it's been a but, you know, we we kind of get tainted in the show world that, you know, horses are kept in stalls all day long. And the only time they get to come out is when they're worked or shown or groomed. And and these are just horses. I mean, they're not wild horses. And that's important for people to understand. These are not wild horses. These are uh, saddle horses that uh, we get to see them when they're coming in after having been uh, pastured all winter. Uh, and you know they they don't feed them or water them, they put the horses out based upon how they think the land can take care of them, and they're in surprisingly good condition and you know they like people uh they don't have mares and foals they don't have- i mean they don't have foals uh they don't have any stallions, and these are riding horses and just horses and it's It's just neat to to remember why we all love them so much
1: well what you know just out of curiosity, what do they do with all the horses once they get them all? rounded up, so to speak?
3: Well, they're, they're, um, they're leased out. They go to summer camps and, uh, dude ranches. They, a lot of oh, all through
1: the um, West or, or um, where?
3: mostly through the West. They go as far as Arizona and, um, you know, they have the contract in the Rocky mountain national park for trail riding. And, um, you know, as I said earlier today, uh, these horses may be the only contact that people ever have with a horse. And so it's important for them to have uh, good gentle horses that will take care of their riders and the good horses may stay with Sombrero for 10 or 15 or 20 years. As long as they're sound and, and doing their job, they'll, they'll keep them. And, uh, I know a lot of us look for certain horses every year. You know, there there's a and, uh, another beautiful thing that we enjoyed with the horse drive is you'll see groups of horses that are buddies and, and, uh, you know, a group of uh, Belgians and a group of Percherons and a group of Appaloosas and they all travel together and they, When they break for lunch break, they'll whinny for each other and they won't rest until they find each other. And I was told by one of the wranglers that even horses that go to separate jobs every summer, when they find each other in the fall, when they get turned back out, they're right back to being buddies again. And a lot of this we don't ever see, you know, as horse people, Because we've kind of taken that away from them. And I think the reason why these sombrero horses last so long is because they're allowed to just live a good natural life for six months out of the year. They do work hard, but then they're allowed to just go off and and be alone and do whatever horses do as a herd. And I think it keeps them, um, you know, mentally sound. I think, and that's, that's the part that I think a lot of, a lot of people are, are, um, you know, they're, they're depriving horses of, of being just the way horses are supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. really refreshing for a lot of us to see. And, you know, a lot of these photographers that come to this are, come because they love horses, and um, it's really a, a really refreshing thing for them to see their horses still live this way. How
1: about if, uh, you know, you're talking about loving horses, um, how about each of you tell us what was your first experience with horses as you were younger and then where photography came into the picture?
2: Well, my first experience was a pony named Tiny Timber that used to kick the crap out of me. <laughs> and, um, but he was, he was a miniature horse and, and you know, he was, um, uh, I was, I was born in a horse family. I mean, my mother had world champion saddlebreds and my brother had quarter horses. And so I'd never known a time in my life. I didn't have horses. Uh, I, at the ripe age of seven said I was done. I would never, did the want anything to do with horses. And at 13, I went, that to was a after hunter-
1: you got kicked a few times or something. Yeah, I got yeah. kicked a few times. And then I went to a hunter jumper <clears throat> show and
2: Realized that there were a lot of cute girls running around and not many guys. So uh-huh. The whole horse thing looked a whole lot better, so I jumped horses and, um, for a lot of years. And then um, I got involved in photography in college, and, and the horse thing just kind of happened because uh, my mom needed some shots of her horses. And I had a knack for it and you know wanted to try and make a living with the camera. And in all honesty, didn't start out to be a horse photographer. I was I actually started out wanting to be an architectural photographer. But the now you the still horse, do
1: some architectural oh yeah, too. Yeah, I still
2: do a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. but um, but the horse thing just took off, and you know, all of a sudden, four decades later, here I am. You know, uh, I traveled the world and got to see a lot of great horses and people too. So it, it just, that's how it happened for me.
1: So let me go get a little deeper on that. You did a stint of horse shows for a long time all I over did, the country. I, I
2: only I only did shows for about three or four years. I really didn't enjoy it. Um, okay. The, one thing that shows did for me was certainly develop a sense of timing, but I, I happened to, to come along at a time in in the uh, in the late seventies and early eighties where um, the Arabian horse industry, which is where my primary client base has been, um, really took off, and I came along with a little bit different style at the time, and so I didn't have to do shows very long. Um, I didn't enjoy them, in all honesty. And and so it, it was a means to an end always, was to get my name out there, get business. Um, but fortunately for me, the, the private sessions and farm sessions, and I've done a lot of commercial work, not just horses. So uh, all of that kind of came together at, at the same time.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So did you travel the world, did you say, yeah. for the Arabian? F- yeah, all over the world. I, mm-hmm.
2: I, yeah, I've had uh, the good fortune to shoot on – Four continents and every state in the United States except Alaska and Hawaii. And if anybody has farms in those areas, I have a suitcase. I will go. Um, but uh, I work in the Middle East and all throughout Europe and South and South America.
1: Wow, that's fun. Okay, how about you, Sharon? Where did the horses come in, and where did the photography come in?
0: Well, I'm not really a horse person,
1: okay, like
0: guys, but. Um, Well, when I was a a kid, my dad worked civil service and had an opportunity to work on um, Indian Reservation for the summer. So there was another person that he worked with that had a horse and their kids didn't use it. So they allowed us to work to ride this horse. And um, where we were on this Indian Reservation was down by the Little Bighorn River. And we would ride this horse all summer long down through the cottonwoods and down um, along really the L- Little Bighorn River and it was just uh, a highlight of my childhood and all the smells and everything from the horse I just remember it like it was yesterday so that's where I fell in love with that um, horse and kind of the western uh, feeling of cowboy and we we were close to um, I think it was Harden Montana, and we'd go to Indian rodeos, and I, it just was so great. So that's where, and when I had an opportunity to come here, to me it was like, oh, ranch, I love it, I'll be there. So um, that's how I got into horses, I guess, because I'm not really a horse photographer. I'm really a fine art photographer. That's how I market myself. And um, so when I had the opportunity to photograph horses, of course, that's you know fine art. So sure. I certainly took that opportunity.
1: You said you're a fine art photographer. Is that like scenic's, or or do you do that with portraits, or or they become more art pieces? What what is it you do most of?
0: Well, I shot weddings for ten years, and when I retired from that, I decided to. Um, I've always loved fine art, and um, when I was shooting weddings, I would. It was during the film days. I would shoot a lot of infrared film, and I would shoot our wedding couples with the infrared film and then I would hand tint it. So that was kind of the crossover between the photography and the painting that I've always done and, um, got noticed because of it because there wasn't many people doing it at that time. Mm -hmm. And I stopped doing the weddings. Then I continued on with the, especially the infrared film. That was a film that I just absolutely loved. And when we went to digital and I saw what I could do with the Photoshop, converting images whether they were nature I have photographed animals and turned them into contemporary pop art so I I don't really stick to one thing I like to do a big variety of things but I'm starting to get a big portfolio of um, horses now because of especially this workshop I don't have an opportunity like a lot of people because I'm not in the equine world to photograph horses so um, I uh, Photographed them here, and then I also organized a workshop up in San Inez, California with April Visel for, I think we ran about five workshops, and we photographed a lot of different horses there. And so I have the horses from those workshops also that I do a lot of
3: creative things with.
1: You do your magic.
3: Yeah, I try.
1: <laughs> okay, and well, then I, think, I think
3: Sharon's a good example of a. What a successful photographer is these days is to be as diversified as possible. I don't think it's really realistic to look at at photography and and just be an equine photographer per se. I mean, you know, there's a lot of other things that you can do, and the the more skills you have, the more successful you'll be. So I think one thing that we do try to stress with people is to to learn the Photoshop skills and to to create fine art pieces, but also to look at other markets besides horses.
1: Mark, you're really there just mainly for the technical aspect, but um, what has your photography career been like, and where did you come from, and how did you get involved with horses?
4: Um, Well, I've been in photography for 35 years. Um, I'm a retired Navy photojournalist. I spent 20 years in the Navy traveling the world, and I had some horses in my life when I was a teenager, but I really became passionate about photography and 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 because of that it allowed me to see things and one of the first times i really came across horses that intrigued me i was living in iceland and the Icelandic horses there are just they're amazing amazing animals uh just they're, they're bred to please and they're just they become your best friends and i really kind of found the passion for photography and taking pictures of these horses pushed me forward through in my career and now with Nikon I have it's it's afforded me the ability I've, I've been to every one of the Triple Crown races, the Derby, the Preakness. Matter of fact, I'll be leaving from here to go to the Preakness in a few weeks. So this is a, a natural combination of, of the passion for these amazing animals and and photography. And and for me I work with a lot of pros in photography through through the the, the horse races and so forth, but it, what's amazing here is the people that come to this workshop not only have a passion for horses but a passion for photography, and they feed off of each other and mm-hmm. it feeds me so when I leave here your
1: um, your cup is full huh
4: absolutely and it's mm-hmm. it's not just it's not just the horses i mean certainly that's an amazing part of it, but it's it's you know everybody here that's that's working this workshop, the participants. Uh, and and the cowboys and the cowgirls. I mean, I I've, I've become friends with a lot of these people that I I stay in touch with throughout the year. We know what's going on with their family, and it's it's amazing that it's it's the horses and the photography that bind this family together. And it's it's an amazing experience.
1: So, Corinne, what what would be uh, your recommendation in terms of keeping in touch and learning about these opportunities? Uh, in terms of the web or Facebook or where can people yeah, connect?
3: We have an EPNet newsletter and we, you know, we, we're pretty active on Facebook and, you know, our mailing lists and uh, members are usually notified of things that are happening. You know, I try to send out email blasts and things like that. And I think a lot of it, um, people that come to this event is word of mouth. I know that um, Mark has brought in people that are completely outside of our, our little niche of EPNet and, um, you know, they just might have seen a photo that he shared or he might, you know, know that they love horses and, and says, you know, you have to do this. Um, and, you know, there's a, as I said, there's a lot of workshops to, to pick and choose from these days. And so we try to make this a really unique and special event. And, um, you know, people are competing more for workshop dollars. And um, this one, you know, I think it'll be here as long as, as long as we can fill it and as long as they keep uh, – running the horses and they've been doing this now for over 50 years. And, um, people come from around the world, not just to photograph it, but also to ride in it. So, um, you know, I, the, the information is out there and,
1: uh, you mean there's people there that are not part of your workshop that are yeah, there
3: um, for the, the... self has guest wranglers that can sign up with Sombrero ranch to come and actually ride in the horse drive. And, uh, usually there's people from Germany and Holland and, um denmark sweden and um england they come from all over and i mean you can imagine what a unique experience it must be for them to to go to the real west and uh, ride for 50 miles in colorado and a lot of them come back year after year in uh
1: yeah there was a movie about that wasn't there
3: (laughs) year for them too so uh
1: what was that com- comedy movie thing about the horse driving? Right? City Slickers, City, oh, yeah. City Slickers, yes. okay. that's
2: it. City Slickers was actually filmed on Sombrero and used Sombrero. A lot of the Sombrero horses are used in movies, yeah. um, and um, but City Slickers was filmed on the Spring Ranch where we do our session.
1: Cool.
3: Yeah, we have some very interesting characters over the years. Oh gosh,
1: yes. <laughs> so, is there anything else anybody wants to share before we go ahead and close up? I think, I think, you know,
2: as, as Corinne said, I mean, certainly we're proud of this workshop and Corinne does a phenomenal job of, of organizing it and bringing everybody together. But, you know, if, if you want to learn, just uh, make certain that the workshop you want to go to is going <laughs> to offer what it is you want to learn. Do a little research. Don't just assume that, you know, it's going to give you what you want. Make certain it's going to give you what you need. Find out. Ask some people that have been or find out what you're going to get for it when you actually go. As she said, some teach, some don't. You know, and, and that's and some provide you access, some let you, um, you know, use the pictures, some don't. So, kind of figure out why you want to go and, and go.
1: So, uh, I did email all of you a couple times. And if you wouldn't mind uh, sending me back your links to your websites and a couple samples of your equine work, we're going to be uh, starting a equine photographers podcast website. And that's where I'm going to put show notes and links and things like that. So anything you can send me would be great. Right. And uh, if you just uh, if you have some images you want to share, you can put your copyright notice on them and just size them for the web, and that would be perfect. Be sure to send us the link when it's up, so we can put it on our pages. Yeah, I will certainly do that. And thank you so much for attending and participating in this uh, podcast. Thank you, Peter.
3: Bye, Peter. Take care. Bye-bye. All right.
1: And have a great uh, rest of the workshop. We will. (laughs) Okay. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for joining us for the Equine Photographers podcast. We hope that you were inspired to grow and improve as an equine photographer by listening today. Join us for the next episode to learn, grow, and be inspired as we interview some of today's outstanding equine image makers.